aboard the struggle bus. You got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we're here to fix your lives. That said, we are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional Ooh. guidance. The old Sally neither. The old neither. I like it. How you doing, Tamarkin? I'm all right. I was just looking to see if it was light out yet, and it's like just gotten light. Yeah. I, I actually really dig the fall, but I don't like it being way too dark to jog at like six in the morning. No, mm. I, I I don't like waking up and having to wait like an hour and a half for it to get light. Yeah. Not cool. I do love when it gets dark early. Though. Do you? Yeah. Oh, my God. You're maybe the only person I've ever heard say that. Say more. I love winter. I'm a winter baby. I don't know. I, uh, Interesting. I like it because it makes me feel like I don't have to go to that party. That's cool. Because if it's like six and the sun's down, I'm like, ah, oh, I got to go to bed. I'm going to try to use this to help me during the winter. I'm going to be like, how would Catherine feel right now? Because Aww. winter, I don't. It's winter just to me like bums me out because it's super cold and super dark and super gray. Yeah. I have the therapy lamp though, the one oh. you put in front of your face. Okay. Yeah. I've heard amazing things about those. It's really good. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I have like a seasonal affective disorder. I think I just am in a really bad mood from <laughs> November to March. <laughs> well, Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. All New Yorkers, I was told, um, have a lot less vitamin D, D. than most people yeah. because the sun just through the buildings, like we're not in outdoors. Yeah. We're, we're like the people in Snowpiercer. Yeah. Oh, my God. But it's worse. More yes. dystopic. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. So listen, if you want to talk about dystopic, you can tweet at us at strugglebuspod. Email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Sally's doing the warm. <laughs> Instagram.com slash the strugglebuspod. Uh, use the hashtag strugglepodbuds420 to find a struggle buddy. And you can tweet at Sally T or me at SPK Heller. What is going on in the Facebook group? Um, the Facebook group is an amazing place full of beautiful people who love and support each other and help each other process stuff. And you should all join it by emailing us and telling us you want to be in the group. Uh, Follow up. Is it secret? Can my friends see it? Catherine, it is a secret and your ah, friends cannot see it. Great. Um, and we practice confidentiality. Uh, okay, so, but I just wanted to talk about a few different things because as we get more people in the group, there's more posting and there's more interaction and conversation, which is awesome. But I thought it would be good to just like say a few things. Mm -hmm. um, so the first thing is it's a, it's a place where we don't speak with any hostility or aggression towards other people, even if there are people who aren't in the group, even if they're public figures, even if they're pretend people, mm -hmm. um, because we just want to keep it really safe one thing pretend people i think i know now but do you mean like fictional characters yeah okay like i don't i don't want <laughs> like i'm just thinking like i don't want anyone posting like that hermione is right. a dumb a-hole <laughs> you know because that's still just like aggressive language well, we've all wanted to say it Sally. <laughs> we've all been thinking it um jk i love hermione okay but um but so like yeah like definitely uh it's not it's it's I know it sounds really Pollyanna-ish, but and we want you to be able to vent, but you just like really super have to keep it uh, chill. Mm -hmm. um, always, we always post trigger warnings. If you're going to talk about something that might be potentially triggering for someone, please, please, please use a trigger warning and do the thing where you hit return a bunch of times and use a bunch of dots so people can like not see what you're going to talk about. Yeah. The other thing I want to say is um, – if you want to see something removed or if something is bothering you, uh, please let Catherine or I know. Uh, the best thing to do would probably be to um, 
I would actually say to email because if you message us on Facebook, we're not going to get it unless we're friends with you. Mm. So email us and and just link to the thread and tell us why it's bothering you so we can look at it. Mm. But we would appreciate it if you don't ask each other to remove stuff. Mm. Um, do you want to, I feel like I'm just yeah, talking no, no, for no. like an just, hour. No, I want to jump in. Which I'll keep doing. But. Oh, no, no, good. Yeah, um, that was very well said. And by the way, everyone's doing a really great job. These are things that I'm still learning about what not to say. There's times where I'm like, oh, I never thought of that before. So I see it as a learning experience mm-hmm. if I post something and I'm like, you know what? I didn't think about that. Um, so instead of feeling like, oh, my rights are being violated, right. it's more like this is a really great learning experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone's so nice. Yeah, that's actually – I'm really glad you said that because I totally sound like um, a school principal. And I really feel like there have been very few times where people have posted things that were so, like, egregiously bad that it was like this is terrible – we're deleting it forever. There's nothing to be learned from this. Mm. It's usually, I think, um, I don't even know if that's ever happened. I think it's usually people not realizing something is going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, whenever I ask someone to remove something, I try to explain why and be really nice about it. No one's going to yell at you. I don't want this to make people afraid to post in the group. Please, please post, please comment, please interact with each other. Um, I'm just... uh, I, I just want us to be like aware of some of like the group agreements so that it's like a safe, awesome place for people. Yeah. The other thing I want to say is if you if you write to us, if you email us or if you post in the group or you comment in the group anywhere about suicidal ideation, we are going to respond with um, crisis intervention resources um, because it we can't really tell. Uh, where we can't tell if someone is like pretty much okay and they're just venting or if they really need help. And if you really need help, we unfortunately aren't in a position to help you. Um, But we, so regardless of how you sound when you say it, Mm -hmm. um, where you say it, you know, and in what format we're going to respond with like a couple of, a couple of links. Case in point, it's one of my triggers too. I have some history in my family and I think we all have situations we can relate to, but I have a friend who would always joke about like, ugh, I want to off myself today. Mm-hmm. And I finally was like, can you please not joke about that in front of me? I know it may sound like too much, but it's things like that where sometimes we know you didn't mean it like right, that. Right, right, right. But you know, it can read as such. I do want to say uh, some people want to know what are trigger warnings versus content mm-hmm. warnings. And if you check out the first uh, pinned post at mm-hmm. the top, we have a great uh, articles, two articles, I think. That you I think a couple. To. Yeah. Yeah. They're really cool. The conversations have been really awesome. Mm-hmm. You guys are great. Um, I am a total, <laughs> I'm a total overreactor and I am like a high school principal. So I will um, sort of like I, I do like kind of aggressively moderate because I just really don't it, – it's really only out of me being drunk on my own power. No, it's really <laughs> it's really only out of wanting the group to be – I thought that was kombucha. A, a safe space um, because I just – there are so few spaces – even like in like progressive workplaces or like even in, (laughs) I know, right. Tell me about it. Or, or like, you know, whatever your hobby is where everyone, you, you know, you sit around like crocheting and everyone has good politics, but then, you know, someone says something that makes everyone or some people feel uncomfortable and there's no way to like speak out or regulate it or whatever. And so I, 
I try to keep it safe. Also, you have different things that you're more knowledgeable of and things that I didn't think about that Mm -hmm. I learned from you every day. Um, Thanks, Catherine. Yeah. And so on the flip side, the conversations are amazing. I am blown away. Like I see a thread and I'm like, oh, no, are they going to get into it? And oh, my goodness, everyone's listening, respecting their opinions. Like I disagree, but you know what? I see where you're coming from. So overall, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. And just to like – I, I feel like I need to like really aggressively backtrack on what I was saying before because it sounded like um, a half high school principal, half no, uh, dictator. Okay, good. But I still want to say that there are threads in the group that are where people are being so vulnerable and so supportive to each other and so generous with each other mm-hmm. and like taking care of each other. And um, every time I see a thread where people are just being so caring, uh, I – I don't believe it anew. I'm like, how are people this mm-hmm. supportive and caring to each other when they like only know each other on the on the internet or whatever? It's an amazing place. So, yeah. and also it's like it's a funny place. People are funny. So um, people are so funny. Yeah. And I guess we're doing things, activities now. Like yeah. somebody has an night. Oh my gosh, you guys. Anyway, join the group if you want. Yeah. If you don't. That's t- totally cool. We're still going to be doing this show. Um, anything that happens in the group stays in the group. So I'm not going to tell you what's going on. But um, yeah. I don't want to make people feel bad. I know. I don't either. Oh, oh, sorry. I I do. They should feel. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Sorry. That was a terrible. No, no, that was not a yes. And I also don't want to make people feel feel left out. It might not be right for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's pretty fun. Uh, It's it's (laughs) really fun. You guys you are all awesome. It's a great group. Yeah. So are we. um, Ooh, what's next? Uh, Uh, Well, tell me about you because you you're opening Jibber Jabber notice in all capital letters. All right. So. As uh, you may have heard me talk on the show about my back, mm-hmm. I had a bad back in June. I went to my back doctor, put in the shots and did a little bit of physical therapy, but then didn't. Totally fine. Felt so much better. Two weeks ago, out of the blue, just hit me again. And I've, I've hired some editors to help me, so I'm not oh, doing good. that anymore. The repetitive motion, I'm doing exercises, but, you know, it's just a, it's a bad nerve. And I... <laughs> I finally went to um, my doctor last week, my back doctor. He comes out of the hallway. He goes, hi, I knew you'd be back. And I'm like, well, because oh, I'm a terrible patient. I didn't do physical therapy. He's like, no, I listen to Struggle Bus. Oh, my God. He goes, and you're going to be calling this week because you mentioned it. I was like, you're amazing. So we spent the next hour of him um, injecting needles into my back while asking so many questions about struggle. Oh me like, how'd you guys meet? And you're like, you two really talk well together and you're a poor. Yeah, we do. Yeah, and he's like, you know, and I like tell the bartender, but I really, and I'm like, I get oh it. God. I get <laughs> it's it. amazing. It's, it's fine. Oh my gosh, he is the sweetest. So shout out to Dr. Awesome. You know who you are. And thanks yeah. for listening. I should start telling my healthcare providers about the struggle bus you don't tell everyone about the struggle bus. why well i'm gonna start that's for sure well we started talking about podcasting he's okay. like oh what do you do for a living because the editing i was like oh i edit a lot oh gotcha and he's like i love podcasts whips out his iphone we listen to the same exact ones whoa all of them i want to go to your doctor he sounds he, amazing i or mean she. he no, you said he and also this is a new york reference his office used to be the office of jonathan zismore the acne <gasps> doctor thank you dr zismore yes and when you use the key to go to the bathroom, <laughs> it still says Dr. Zismore. I just don't understand why you haven't taken a photo of it and Instagram. I did. It. You did? I did. Oh, my God. I took a photo and Instagrammed it two months ago, and it got like a billion likes. I have to go back in time Sally, and how like did it. you miss that I day? I don't know. Oh, man. Uh, I will go back and repost it. Oh, man. 
Um, so yeah, my back. Um, how's it feeling now? Not very good. It's, it, it was actually really good. And then now it hurts again. Mm. I'm just, but the thing is they did MRIs, they did all the stuff. It's nothing serious. It's just, you know, you get older and, you know, crotchety and, uh, I should do physical therapy. So I'm starting this week. Do you find that, um, I find that when I am experiencing higher than normal levels of stress and anxiety, any pain I might have normally gets like a thousand times worse. Do you experience that? So um, uh, case in point, last night I was feeling better for the first time and I got a phone call from someone and uh, I took it even though I didn't want to, but I had to talk to this person. (laughs) And then within like two minutes, I'm like rubbing my back against the wall because I'm trying not to anymore because I was doing it too much. And uh, I get off the phone and and my boyfriend's like, are you okay? I was like, you know, it's it's a weird coincidence that <laughs> the pain gets worse when I'm uh, under stress. So yeah, it's absolutely related to yeah. that, I think, because I feel myself hunch up. No, it's really funny because I, I, I have migraine triggers that, and I know what they are. Um, and if every single one happens, I get a migraine. Uh, or that's not true. Maybe if it's like some combination, but I realized that there was someone <laughs> that when I talk to them, if my other triggers are like in place, I get a migraine. Oh, yeah. So like one of my migraine triggers is doing a really hard workout without having like eaten properly before and after. Mm-hmm. It's that's a whole nother podcast. But um, <laughs> I need to do a coffee podcast, okay, Sally. A, because... a migraine podcast, a coffee podcast. Uh. But um, but anyway, so I had this really hard workout and um, I talked to someone, this person on the phone, I immediately got a migraine and it's happened more than once. And so I, and, and the conversation is so stressful every time, no matter mm-hmm. what it's about. And so um, it's just really funny. Like, I mean, it's not funny. It's terrible. It's, it's terrible. It's not funny. Huh? It's funny. Tragic. Yeah. That like you have a thing that kind of is bad anyway, but once you encounter stress, it gets like a million times worse. It's been proven over and over again that if you don't deal with trauma, um, physical or mental trauma, your body will find a way to protect you. And it may be you hunching over or running or getting nauseous or sweaty or headache. It's, yeah, it's really interesting to note that. Yeah, totally. Um, There's a really good book called Mind Over Back Pain, <laughs> where um, this guy, John Sarno, and he also wrote this other, oh, The Mind-Body Connection, I think it's oh, called. Yeah. And it's all about, like, his whole thing is, like, anything that hurts you is completely because of anger and anxiety, mm. which I could not relate to more. Fun fact, uh, The Mind-Body Connection was originally the name of the song in the Muppet movie, uh, the Rainbow really? Connection. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> No. You, I, okay. once an episode, you say something preposterous and I believe you completely. I am terrible at uh, doing jokes like that where I'm deadpanning. I can't do it. But my doctor, my back doctor yeah. did that to me and he actually, uh, he caught me. He Wait, got he, me. The mind body connection thing? No, the, uh, oh. doc, the, the back doctor. Really striking he, out. No, he, uh, he's like, so you're back and I see you're this and that and I'll give you some injections. Then he goes, <laughs> he looks at his computer and he's like. Uh, and I was like, what? He's like, okay. I mean, some of this stuff is back ordered. Um, I'd like to give you injections today. Cause I said, can I get injections today? He's like, it might be a while. And if you can wait three weeks, I could. And I was like, but, and he's like, I'm kidding. And I was like, oh my God, you got me. And oh I, my God. I'm, it, I, I'm horrified. I loved it. <laughs> it was, oh my it God. Was so funny. If my doctor did that to me, I would be sobbing on the floor. But of the here's office. the thing. He's so like soft-spoken that to him, it was like, 
it was very funny. He's like, like a oh, good singer. Yeah, no, I can't. Oh, I'm just kidding. Oh <laughs> so my like, god, zing! You got me. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so oh. I, I forgot that we were going to read this email that we got about um, a meetup that's happening. Yes, um, I meant to read it before. So we got an email from a listener, um, and they said that we could uh, reveal their names. Okay, so. Amanda wrote to us Hmm. and said that on Saturday, October 15th, they're going to be in NYC and they're going to meet up with fellow struggle busser, Matt. They're going to meet at Penn Station. Oh, I think I know who that is. At 1 p.m. So that's Saturday, October 15th at 1 at Penn Station. And they're going to get food somewhere downtown-ish and maybe do something else. Amanda says, we'd like to invite anyone in the Struggle Bus community to join in. We are also inviting the Radio Dispatch Scoocher community. Yes, please. Which is awesome. I think they're all the same people, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. A lot of crossovers. Good. So um, it's like when um, it's like when when Mrs. Garrett from Facts of Life would be on Different Strokes. Oh it's like God. a crossover episode. Oh, my God. Yes. Actually, did Mrs. She, Garrett originate? On yeah. Different, she, okay. she started it Reverse and then that. moved. Okay. That was her spinoff show. Well, according to my calendar, my Google calendar, I have plans at 7 p.m., dinner at Poncho's. But I think I can cancel Amazing. that. Do you get that reference, people? No. no. Oh, I mean, a- I don't, but maybe the so listeners do. When you go onto your Google Calendar and just click to oh, start the fake, an event, oh, yeah, the fake, yeah. and it says 7 p.m., dinner at Poncho's. Uh, I've never been, so I'll cancel that. And uh, yeah, I, I'd like to, if I'm not doing anything else wedding-wise... Not you, me, you guys. You're getting married? No. Congratulations. Um, so there's there's a bunch of things happening this month. But I think I can swing on by. Love okay. Love you guys. Um, and so Amanda Amanda said to give out her email, but I think maybe we won't do that on the show. But mm. why don't you email us? Mm-hmm. Um, struggle meet bus. Up, meet up at biz.amanda.realemail. Dot, dot net. <laughs> <laughs> dot, what's England? UK. Isn't that the She's British. No, 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 no. I was making a terrible joke. Oh, okay, I got so, really excited. Um, anyway, yeah. Email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to meet up with Amanda, Matt, and t- tens of thousands of other awesome people who listen to the Struggle Bus and Radio Dispatch, uh, we will connect you. It's Saturday, October 15th. 7 p.m. Dinner at Poncho's. <laughs> 1 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you all can coordinate. I wonder if it's a nice day if we could do like a picnic in the park or something. Oh boy. That'd be nice. Um, all right. So what's your jibber jabber, Sally? Um, oh God, we haven't even oh my god, I've been jibber jabbering so much and I haven't even gotten to my official jibber jabber. No, I need to hear this. Um, so I was recently listening to Mark Marin's podcast. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called WTF. Um Never li- heard of it. little podcast. <laughs> um, and he had this comedian on named Rachel Feinstein, who I hadn't heard of because I don't really follow comedy. Good for you. Um, thank you. And, but she was talking about, uh, coming up like, and you know, the comedians love telling their origin story about how they lived in filth and squalor and it was like terrible. Um, and then they, and they had to like beg people to come to their shows and then they got passed and then everyone made fun of them. It's like the whole thing. It's like, we've heard it, Mm -hmm. but she was telling this story about, um, about, living with these have this roommate of hers who was another comedian and she was like talking about how he would bring home these women and and she was saying stuff like he like you know they'd be banging all these girls and he'd bring home these girls to fuck like this is the kind of language that she's using to describe this Mm -hmm. and then she also talked about how like these male comedians would um 
like make fun of her, like her body um, and, and like make fun of her whenever she, she was sleeping with someone, like they would make fun of her. And, um, and, and, and she talked about how like one of her roles in her apartment was to sort of like make the women that hit her roommate would bring home feel comfortable mm-hmm. so that he could like sleep with them. Mm-hmm. And it was just really interesting because it was, this conversation was being had in this very like unproblematic way. Like if it was just like, if two people were having like a totally casual conversation about anything, like, mm-hmm. you know, she wasn't saying like, and it was like this really uncomfortable thing where he would expect me to like groom the women he was sleeping with. Like, Nothing like that. Um, she was using words like bang, like really unproblematically. And I don't mean this to criticize Rachel Feinstein because I don't know her at all. And, you know, that's well, not. We have 50 mutual friends on Facebook. but Really? <laughs> I'm not friends, though, with her. Oh. IRL. I mean. I don't know anything about her. And it's that's completely a thousand percent not my point. My point is, is just it, it had me thinking about our conversation last week about like how we talk about women mm-hmm. and the continuum of rape culture and objectifying women. And. I was actually um, texting with a friend of mine um, who listens to the struggle bus and we were talking about the, the, um, the thing of like how it's not just men who talk about women in this way. It's like women are so colonized by it too, that they talk about, you know, guy, you know, like guys who are banging women and helping them groom women to sleep with them. And it's really like, it's, it's, tough for me to sometimes even see it because it's so I'm so used to hearing women being talked about that way Mm -hmm. that when she when she was talking about it Rachel Feinstein I was like oh god that that sounds kind of uncomfortable but it really wasn't it didn't even like really set off alarm bells because it was it's like this is how people talk about women like Mm -hmm. yeah like this guy like he was a comedian and he wanted to bang women and so she helped and blah 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 and she was telling it like it was this really funny story and I don't want to say that she had a different experience than she really had because that's up to her to like Mm -hmm. define her own experience and what it was like for her but I just was I listened I went back and I listened to it again and I was just like this Mm -hmm. is such a troubling way to talk about other human beings Mm -hmm. like and and it made it just made me feel so uh sad and Mm -hmm. and hopeless that women talk about women that way too so and, and here's the thing right like I I do it too still I'm becoming more and more aware of it but like I do have that lingo, and I will say, and this is not in defense of anything, it's always expected that the woman watches her language, but the men never do. Mm -hmm. And I was in the comedy world for a while, more through improv and other things, but there were times where I found out I just got to be one of the guys to get respected. And Mm -hmm. I think that's also a problem is like, hey, how about the guys learn how to, I don't know, not act like uh, jerks and treat everyone like people. Anyway, so yeah, yeah, no, it's it's really interesting because one of the things about hearing women talk like that, like when women talk in a like in a way that we associate with like bros mm. about like women and sex, like when they say stuff like bang, mm. I know I'm like really hung up on that, but it really stuck out to me because it's such an aggressive word. It's it's like the fact that we use that to describe it's, it's whatever. Violent. <laughs> yeah. So um, it there's something that when you hear women talk like that, it's like like a breath of fresh air because it's an alternative to women having to be so repressed about sexuality right? that you're like, oh yeah, cool. Uh, they're not like, the, you know, they're, they're empowered or whatever. But when you think about it, it's like, why is it empowered to talk about 
sex as an act of violence against an object? Mm. Or why is it empowered to talk about having sex with someone as though they're an object that exists for your pleasure? Like, let's let's take a step back and think about what it like what it really is to be empowered. And again, like this isn't about Rachel Feinstein um, because this is like, I I have to say like comedy is like a cesspool of misogyny um, much <laughs> because it's a reflection of our culture. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, excuse yeah. me. Let me make a note. Um, because it's a reflection of our culture, but also because people who do comedy think that they are like cultural commentators who are like telling the real truth and telling it like it is. So I, I feel like it, it's like, when you pay attention to the world of comedy, you get like more of this kind of garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I don't know. That's all I got. So that I just wanted to talk about it because I was thinking about it and it was um, and it was like related to what we talked about last week. And I do want to talk about this at some point, but I know we already are <laughs> going well over time. Um, we never really got into on this show, at least the Amy Schumer, Kurt Metzger thing. Oh, yeah. Um, but I did want to say that I am really sick and tired of people always blaming the woman in, in charge why not Comedy Central? Why the f- they're writing his checks? Why didn't they get involved? True. Who's the producer? Like it's always like, oh, she's got to she's got to kick him off her show. It's like, I mean, sure, yeah, maybe not. That's, but why is it not being talked about mm-hmm. that this is a fucking network? Right. You know yeah, what I mean? A, that's a really good point. So anyway, I'll talk about that forever. And also, I uh, I did submit a thing about feminist allies yeah, to you this did. thing called Grok Nation. I won't read you the whole thing, but um, I submit sometimes because some really cool people write for it. My Mbialik, hello. Oh, cool. Um, that's, that's her thing. And it's a bunch of feminists getting together and uh, shooting the shit. And uh, I will link to it if you want. But you I should. thought mine was pretty funny. It's it was, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Proud. You should um, – you should definitely link to it. I, I'm getting it tattooed on my back later. Nice. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Well done. Um, so let's – a thing we did for self-care – um, talk to me. Okay. Well, I'll just go. I, I watched a bunch of documentaries. Um, and one of them was witness, which is about the kid It's about Kitty Genovese. You know, that story. Yes. Well, there's also witness the story <laughs> yeah. of the Amish. Yeah. The amazing, like, is it like Kelly McGillis or something? I thought when you said witness the documentary, I'm like, Sally, that's a real thing. Wait, <laughs> no, it's that Harrison Ford documentary <laughs> where he's actually oh, an oh, Amish, uh, Empire Strikes Back. Um, Right. Is is it Amish or is it Quaker? I think it's Amish. It is Amish. Okay, good. Yeah. I was worried I said something really culturally insensitive. Um, yeah, so Witness, it is a document. Yeah, okay, it's called The Witness. And there we it's, are. it's about the it's uh the brother of Katie Genovese goes on this um like multi-year investigation of her murder and the public response to it. Cause it's a really famous murder. I remember learning about in college, it was in a sociology textbook and he really like looks into, he debunks a lot of stuff, but the, which is really interesting. But the thing that was, that I was really into was that like, it was kind of about, uh, to me anyway, it was about, the stories that we have in families and the stories that we tell that um, may or may not, they, they reflect like some version of someone's truth, Yep. but they become like the objective truth of the family. Yes. Um, and like what happens when you try to like pick at that objective truth and unpack it or understand it more or disagree with it. Um, and it's just really interesting. So you should watch The Witness. And I also watched Happy Valley, which is about Penn State and Joe Paterno. And it's 
so troubling. Wow. Yeah. Don't watch that unless you can deal with, you know, it's about like Jerry Sandusky and yeah and stuff. But actually, for people who don't know the Kitty Genovese story, because a lot of people don't, I think, it's actually called the the effect, the Kitty Genovese effect. Is that true? There's the, like a name for The bystander for it? effect. Bystander yeah. effect. I think, and, I think that's, is that bystander effect? Uh, something like that. Very long story short, it was in the 20s in New York City. There was a crime. She was being stabbed to death on the street. And like 18 people were watching it happen, but nobody called the cops. Is that correct? Well, like that? So the movie is actually about him uh, trying to understand what actually happened. And it 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 has been it's been reported that like I think it was actually reported that like 38 people watched and no mm-hmm. one did anything, even though she was like screaming and bleeding to death on the street. And he discovers that that isn't really exactly what happened. And also that people did help and people did call the police. Oh, and she okay. actually like died in the arms of her friend and. Um, there's, so this, there's all this stuff that really also complicates our understanding of, because I, I learned about in college because Mm -hmm. we were learning about how, when a group of people see something terrible happening, they're less likely to intervene. And, and this, and it's like based on this. It's because they assume someone else must've called the cops kind of thing, right? Something like that, which makes sense. You know, how many times do you hear something and you're like, oh, I hope they call the cops. I'm going back to bed. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that that's ever happened, but, you know, like someone on the street getting hurt and you assume someone called an ambulance. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know, because I feel like in New York, it's like it it like I feel like people are always coming to people's rescue. That's a good point. I, I the, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think probably, I think probably both things happen. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But um, but the movie's really interesting because the brother uh, he was her younger brother. He discovers so much stuff. It's not just about the circum. Like the first part of the movie is about him trying to understand the circumstances of the murder and what really happened, which hmm. is so different from what was reported. Wow. Um, but then there's like so much other stuff like about her and about like his journey to like understand his own like he's like obsessed with understanding it's really good it's on Netflix that sounds really intense is it on Netflix it's on HBO it's on something I can yeah 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 it's really good that's that's I'll I'll check it out um a thing I did for self-care yeah is uh so um I have I have a couple of friends this week who are having a really rough time with some things and I I just remember, so for example, my friend Femda from Keith and the Girl got a uh, very large tumor removed. She had a grapefruit-sized tumor between her heart and lungs and pushing her organs apart, oh, and she could have, you know. And they wanted to originally shrink it with chemo and then go in because it's very extreme surgery. Now, I don't know all the details because I had a really hard time hearing it and reading about it. I've just been getting some texts and checking in. But basically, when they checked again weeks later, it was now the size of a football. And they were like, we have to take this out. We don't know. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. It was very intense surgery. Very, like, even with the good results, it's going to be a long um, recovery. So the good news is she got out. It went very well. Apparently, they had really positive things to say. I don't know all the details yet. But... You feel powerless, right, mm-hmm. when this happens. And uh, I was reminded one of my favorite shrinks years ago when my friend got cancer. I was like, I want to reach out, but I know she doesn't want to call people back. Because, like, when someone's really sick, they, you know, if you send them a card or something or email, like, don't expect them to say mm-hmm. thank you for that, yeah. you know. And it's not about you, but you'll be surprised. So I was like, I don't know what to do to help her because I want to, like, go there and cheer her up. And my shrink's like, you know, just send a card, just send a send a fun little game. Mm-hmm. Send her a gift card to her favorite restaurant and just be like, you know, don't expect to hear anything back. Yeah. And so um, I, you know, took some time out to like, 
oh, hey, let's get creative. Let's send a couple things. And that is something you can do to help. Mm -hmm. And um, that is a form of self-care of like checking in with yourself and and knowing that you you can't control this. And uh, another friend of mine also was having a rough week and it was just like checking in a lot. And it made me... It made me feel better about like the way I'm still growing as a friend and an individual understanding it's not about you all the time. And there's ways in which you can be a really good friend without doing the things that you think. Yeah, that's so good to remember. Yeah. I I um, I sometimes when someone's really going through it, like with something like that, like I, I'll like write or text like you don't have to respond. I just want you to know I'm yes. thinking about you so that it's like you've done that to me quite a few times. Oh, really? And then you send me heart emojis. Oh, um, yeah, I think I think you're right. It's like so hard to shake the thing of like, if I don't hear back, they must not have gotten it or they must not have or maybe I said the wrong thing or didn't mean anything or whatever. But it's like then you're making it about you. Yeah. All right. Shall we get to these? Uh, I guess so. These- <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Let's do it. All right. Did you want to read uh, this or should I? Um, I'll go for it. All right. Okay. Catherine, don't edit that out. Okay. Dear Kate and Sally, longtime listener, first time writer. My question centers on the fact that I am a heterosexual female who has a heterosexual male best friend. Our friendship has not been extremely long, about one year, but we have cultivated a bond that is very strong and very important to me. My concern is that I believe there is an unspoken tension between us caused by the fact that we are both single, heteronormative, close friends of the opposite sex. In so many ways, my friend meets my criteria for a partner, but investigating the potential of our friendship being something more romantic comes with so many complications, like, I don't know, the possibility that it will destroy our friendship. Because of the weight of the issue and my own deficiencies in communicating my feelings about romantic relationships in real time, I have not been able to remotely, to even remotely broach this issue with him. I am writing because I think that the unspoken possibility of our friendship turning into a romantic relationship has created a rift in our friendship. There have been a number of passive-aggressive moves on his part that tend to occur at times that our closeness is peaking. One example that stands out would be when he only communicated with me through a commonly used group text that we have with another close mutual friend. This went on for about a week after a night we spent on his couch with pizza and a movie. The night had a feeling of comfort more closely akin to a seasoned married couple than a night in with a friend. To be clear, there is never any physical closeness, and our friendship has been very strictly platonic. I have thought about writing this note to you for a long time, but I finally sat down to pen this because his strange behaviors have escalated. Last night, at the end of an evening out with two of our other close friends, he dumped half a bottle of water on me when I teased him for being a mess. It was his birthday, and he was fairly drunk. He apologized profusely and felt terrible. He says that he was trying to playfully splash me with his water, which I believe. Regardless, the scene was horribly awkward, and I had to work very hard to not break down into tears. I accepted his apology and stayed with the group for what I felt was was a socially acceptable amount of time before leaving for the night. This behavior was really out of the ordinary, and it feels like these strange behaviors are all connected to this unspoken issue. So my question is, where do I go from here? How do I address this underlying issue that I feel we both have been ignoring for months? How should I address his weird behavior of dumping water on me last night? 
Am I out of bounds for feeling annoyed slash frustrated slash angry that he hasn't approached me to discuss what seems to be feelings of resentment slash frustration slash confusion about our relationship? I'm sure I have acted strangely in the past because of my own feelings regarding the gray area in our friendship, but I don't think it affects how I treat him in our friendship the way that it seems to be affecting the way he is treating me in our friendship. You guys are the best. Should I read this? I really value your advice and I'm constantly learning new things about myself and the people I love through this podcast and the community you've built around it. Thank you so much for your support and love. We did not give this person a name. I was just thinking that. Oh, they want to go by Cher Horowitz. Cher, that's right. From um, Clueless. We haven't, have we used that? Maybe. It doesn't matter. Well, um, they said, they, they gave an alternate. If <gasps> we have you, Cher Horowitz, they want L Woods. Yes, of course. Which both of these names are awesome and now I can't choose between Let's them. Let's do L. L, okay. L Woods, yeah. From L Woods. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, L. <sighs> okay, um, I, I have some questions, but... Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. First, I I don't know if you like this person as a partner. I can't tell. I can't tell what you want out of this. Um, and from what you're saying, first of all, by the way, I, I hope when I'm married, uh, I will have pizza and a movie every night with my husband because that Seriously. sounds fucking amazing. Um it's weird, you know, it's hard because there's times where you're hanging out with someone, you get to know them, and there might be an attraction. You know, that that does happen. That's totally normal. As far as the water situation, I was trying to figure out why you were so upset about that. I mean, that actually has happened to me once, and I was really fucking pissed at my boyfriend at the time. He thought it was really funny. It wasn't. It was in the bed. And I was like, now the bed's wet. What the fuck? <laughs> Terrible joke. Yeah, but I imagine being at a party, it's humiliating because you're dripping wet and it's not funny you know like i i don't like clowns and i don't like seltzer bottles like that's how it feels you know um <laughs> do you know what i'm talking about okay yeah <laughs> this makes all the sense so something is happening with your friendship where for whatever reason he did feel the need to do something playful that really hurt your feelings so i would maybe just start with that conversation at some point of like hey you know what that was really upsetting to me um it was very disrespectful. I know you were drunk, but like, can we start talking about our friendship? Is there tension? Uh, maybe think about how you feel and be like, carp out some time. Just be like, is this going to continue happening when you get drunk or when I get this and that, that we're going to be, you know what I mean? Do you want to jump in for a second? Yeah, I'm- yeah, totally. Well, I, I agree that I think a conversation would be the way to go because you've, it. I feel like you've done a lot of thinking and like, um, try and like, you've done a lot of thinking and like assuming what his behavior is about. And you don't really know because you guys have never talked about it. I don't even know if like, if he knows that only communicating with you through group text read as something like weird or cold to you, which I'm not saying it shouldn't have, but like, I, I, that's a thing that like, I wouldn't necessarily know was bothering a friend. And so I also, you you haven't mentioned anything about the way he's treated you that makes you think that he likes you, except that you, I mean, I, I understand that you think that him sort of backing away from you when you get close makes you think there's romantic feelings there. And there totally might be. But I think the main thing is that you guys just haven't like, you're not talking about it and you're mm-hmm. making a bunch of assumptions about how he feels yeah. and the way he's acting. Um, and you said, you said that you think that he's doing things that are sort of strange um because he has these feelings for you but you don't think that the way you're treating him um you said 
you said, uh, I'm sure I've acted strangely in the past because of my own feelings regarding the gray area in our relationship, but I don't think it affects how I treat him and our friendship the same way it's affecting the way he's treating you. Mm. And I'm sure it's, you know, of course, like you're not doing the same thing to him that he's doing to you because you guys are different people. But one thing you are doing is not really having a straightforward conversation with him about your observations about your friendship. So, and that does completely affect the way that you treat him. So I think a really important thing to do would be to just like have a conversation and it's going to be like awkward because these things are, but, um, I, I mean, I think you could even like read him this letter because you articulate your feelings really well. Uh, Yeah. And now I'm starting to think reading between the lines as you do. Um, I think you might like him. Um, and that's obviously totally cool. And I think because you seem angry when he doesn't um, reciprocate the closeness you had that one night after pizza, and then it's a group text. Um, maybe you don't like him. I don't know. So I think actually I might want to sort this out with a trusted friend, confidant, therapist, or parent or sibling. Like, hey, can I talk to you about this thing? Do I like him? Or Because if you're getting angry at him. I mean, the water thing, absolutely, that is just, just not cool. But, like, you were angry that he did a group text, you know? So, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I mean, but I, if I was friends with someone and they were acting in a way that was I perceived as cold, mm. I, I would be hurt not necessarily because I had romantic feelings for them, but just because they were acting cold. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I don't I, – I can't – I mean, who knows? Like, the thing is, like, L isn't saying – what her feel? I Elle is saying repeatedly, I feel really awkward about the gray area between us, mm-hmm. but you're not saying what your feelings are for your friend. And that in and of itself, I think is kind of interesting because you're not really writing in to be like, hey, I like my friend. I don't know if he likes me. What should I do? Or like, hey, we like each other, but there's all this tension. You're you're basically talking about the the, the gray area and the tension of like not knowing if there's something there, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and I think actually, actually, one thing <laughs> you might want to do to get the ball rolling, because I think it does help to talk to siblings or counselors or people, maybe not in your friend group, because you don't want to you know, open that thing, but talk to somebody about it. But I will say the most important conversation right now, because you were really upset by it, just bring up the water incident when he's sober and be like, you know what, can we just talk about that for a second? Because I'm really upset. And just see where that conversation goes. Like, just talk about that because friends shouldn't do that. It was aggressive. It was annoying and not funny. So maybe you should just say, hey, as opposed to, you know, you don't know how the conversation is going to go. So I would say using improv, like just start with opening the scene and you don't know what he's going to say and sort of open up the communication from there. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fine. I think you can also just sit him down and be like, I want to talk about our friendship and what I think is like weird between us. Um, But either way, it sounds like you guys are really close and really connected. So Mm. hopefully you'll be able to like have a good conversation about it. Maybe there's a bucket of water emoji (laughs) and uh, and a wet person and then like a middle finger and you can just send that. And just see see what happens from there. (laughs) That's our advice. Wow. Are people breaking up through emojis, by the way? Is that a thing kids are doing? Oh, man. Holy shit. If you were to break up with somebody... With an emoji, what would it be? Oh, that's such a good question. Because I got one. Oh, tell me. Have you seen this? There is an emoji. Man, businessman in a suit levitating. 
Really? Yes. Oh wait, I think you once sent me that, and you I were did. like, "Yeah, you like went on a tear of show of like telling me all the ridiculous names for all the weird emoji." If you scroll your mouse over it on the computer, you can't do it on the phone. But um, I would send that, and then I'd like send another one, being like, "This is you floating away out of my life." That's, That's how I break up. Oh my god, that is so good. And they might read like, "Oh my god, she's seeing three dudes." I don't care. Maybe I would do like the uh, the oh foot God. the footprints emoji, and just be like, I'm, I'm walking away from this relationship. Wow, that's pretty good, right? Sally, that is that's hardcore. I'm but, now looking at, at the rest here. Yeah, same. Uh, rain cobwebs. I don't know. There's um, a, there's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff to integrate. Feel free to let us know what you would use. Yeah, I would definitely do a bunch of fish and be like, "There's more in the sea." Ooh, that's a good one. Um. Yeah, businessman in a suit levitating. A coffin, like you're dead to me. Yeah, tsunami. That's a wave. Wave goodbye. Ayo. Ooh, there's a bow and arrow. That's a little violent. Ooh, the bathtub. You know what? It's like, I need some me time. Can we take a break? I love it. Well, we've given you all a bunch of ways to break up with each other over Mm. emoji. So enjoy. Running shirt with sash. Sally, I'll leave you with that. (laughs) I Um, I always wear a a sash when I go running. I'm certain that you do too. Obviously, yeah. I actually do have one that says, like, best karaoke performance or something. All right. Um, so let's get to oh, – I hope we gave you good advice, by the way. I think it was amazing advice. Communication is always good. But I, I always tell people, go into it not with a script because you just never know how it's going to go. Go into it open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Go into it open. And just, like, I think remember that a lot of what you – have what you think is going on is are just like educated guesses like you don't actually know what's going on with this dude Mm -hmm. because he hasn't told you yeah good point all right um pseudonym from a member of abba now the sad thing is i don't know any of the members of abba are you angry at me no i have never i don't i wouldn't know an abba song if it i saw introduce itself to me oh that's cool oh Oh, no okay well i just looked it up so there's um (laughs) thank you agnetha Bjorn. I like Bjorn. I, I Bjorn? was about to say Bjorn, yeah. Okay. But Agnetha? Agnetha is pretty cool too, How right? How do you spell that? A G N E T H A. Maybe it's Agnetha. I don't know. I don't know. I like Bjorn. Me too. I think I know that's a one member of ABBA. What they sing? I saw the slime. Is that them? <laughs> Close. That's um, Ace of Base. Ace of Base. You know what? I was, yeah, I was thinking but they're of them also, the whole they're time. They're Swedish, right? So it's kind of similar. Same thing. ABBA's Swedish, right? Yeah. Guys. It's like Bjork's the only artist from Iceland. Exactly. Um, all right. <clears throat> Hi, Catherine and Sally. First off, you two are the greatest. Thank you so much for the work that you do. I feel like I speak for most of your listeners when I say that the space you've created for sharing stories and lifting up voices and doling out wisdom has made such a positive impact on my well-being. So here's the deal. I've had major depression since I was 16. I'm 23 now, and it's been at its worst for the past year and a half. I had tried to fight it on my own for a long time, but about a year ago, I finally decided that the prospect of calling a therapist was much less terrifying than what I might do to myself if I didn't get help. I couldn't have asked for a better introduction into the world of therapy. The first one I saw was a perfect fit, and we made so much progress together over the past year. I don't think I could have made it through this year alive if it wasn't for her. Even though I've made so many positive changes with her help, I'm still far from being okay. My problem now is that I recently moved across the country for grad school and I'm not able to continue seeing my therapist. Um, Skype or phone sessions are off the table because of the restrictions of my health benefits plan. After trying out a few different therapists in my new city, I found one that feels like a good fit. 
But therapy is nowhere near as productive as it used to be, and I'm constantly missing my old therapist to the point where it's taking a toll on my mental health because it feels like I'm constant. I'm in constant grieving mode. She and I have been through the trenches together, so my relationship with my new therapist seems so surface level in comparison. For the sake of my sanity, I want to be able to make things work with my new therapist, but it feels like I was ripped away from all the work I did over the last year and am starting back at square one. Do you have any advice on how to cultivate a good, productive relationship with a new therapist when I'm still not over the old one? How can I stop holding my new therapist to the impossibly high standards my old one set? I spend so much time thinking about things I wish I could talk to my old therapist about, writing email drafts addressed to her, and imagining conversations that we would have about all of this. It seems like missing her is getting in the way of continuing with therapy. How can I get her off my mind long enough to turn my focus back to taking care of my mental health? Hope my rambling isn't too confusing. Sorry for writing so much. Thanks, Catherine. Oh, shit. I mean, Bjorn. Sorry. I could have read this letter because same. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. And I was not laughing at you. I was like, yep, that sounds sounds about right. I've gone through this. Sally, a thoughts? Um, Okay. My thoughts are, I think that when you connect with a therapist, it's one of the like deepest and most powerful connections you can have to someone. And those don't, I think they don't come easily and they don't go easily. Uh, I think it's totally normal to be really um, like stuck on someone that you really, on a therapist you really connected with. Um, I think that you should definitely talk to your new therapist about this because that's your therapist's job is to like help you process. Like if you're ever stuck on something or in something and you can't stop thinking about it or you feel like it's getting in the way of other things in your life, that is a good, that is like the perfect thing to talk to your therapist about um, because their whole thing is to help you figure out why things become larger than life in your relationships and in your head um, and help you understand like what talking about that might reveal about anything about you. Um, And so I would just talk about this and and say exactly how you feel. This is like not like I, I truly I, I really don't think you can like shock a therapist. Um, but the, the other thing is like you can't like I think it's really tough to uh, hurt a therapist's feelings by being like, hey, listen, bud, you're great and all, but you don't hold a candle to my old therapist who I'm really hung up on because we had this amazing connection. And I'm not sure if we trust each other yet enough for me to even talk about this with you or whatever you might say. They're not going to react the way like a person in your life would and be like hurt and offended and insulted. They're going to help you unpack that and understand why you feel that way and uh, and do what you need to do in order to, to connect with this therapist. So that is what I would say to do. Mm-hmm. What about you, Catherine? I don't know, Sally. Have you ever... Um gone through a walk in the woods and you find a five-leaf clover and then a unicorn. Go on. And then uh, a gigantic chocolate cake. Uh-huh. That's kind of how it feels when you find the best therapist. Yeah. It's challenging. You connect. They they make you work hard or they're, they're doing all the right things or they're letting you be and you see yourself grow. It is really, really hard to switch therapists. This is... I am so glad you had a good experience because most people have one bad experience and don't want to go back. This is the opposite. This is great. This is excellent news for you. That said, 
there also is um, a way in which you, I don't want to say attracted or in love with, but there's some, what do they call it? Transference. Freud talks about some stupid things, but I have heard that there is something where you might put them as a person in your life who you wanted to get that thing from. So it's not uncommon to think about them a lot. Like I, I do too. A lot of my, my two favorite shrinks, I just, I still think about them every day. Like, you know, it's, it's a connection. Um, Sally, a million percent correct. You can tell your therapist this. Be like, you know what? We're not gelling right now. Be honest because they want to do their job. They've heard a lot worse. And um, uh, somebody I know who is a shrink is like, I love it when my patients tell me what I'm doing wrong. It helps me know what is – it helps me know that something else is going on. And if something else is going on is that you don't like your therapist, they need to know that. Mm-hmm. They want to know that. They're trained for this. Mm-hmm. They hear it every single day. I mm-hmm. hate you. Why would you say this? They will handle it. Trust me. Um, you maybe don't have to be with this person for a long time. I don't know if you're in school or if you moved or I think – did they say they're going to grad school? Something. Um you know, obviously, you might have to spend the rest of your life in and out of different therapists like I've been. And um, for right now, it seems that if, you know, try having that conversation with them, do, you mm-hmm. know, give it another shot. If it really, really comes down to it's just not working, nothing wrong with seeing someone else. Mm-hmm. But just be honest. You know, you're not going to hurt their feelings. Everyone has a different style. Every therapist is different. Everyone has their good things and their bad things. So, you need to get the most out of it. You have to do a lot of work, but they do too. And this is exactly what they're trained for. Yeah, this so. is the, this is their bread and butter is like helping people. I mean, you know, the, some of the language you used, you, you said you feel like you were ripped away from all the work you did over the last year. I mean, like the, your language is just really evocative. Mm-hmm. And it's obvious that this is a really huge and intense change for you. And I think it's, which, I mean, it would be for anyone. But in addition to that, I feel like it's worth trying to understand more about um, what's happening with you. Like you said, you feel like you're grieving, Mm -hmm. like it's taking a toll on your mental health because of how much you miss your old therapist. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like it sounds like your old therapist took on a role for you um, that is really specific. And, you know, like Catherine said, like they do for all of us. Um, But I just definitely think that like a thing that happens in therapy, which is one of the things that makes it really useful, is that you sort of – like get into a pattern with your therapist that um, like plays out something else in your life that's going on with you. Like it's not just that your therapist like listens to you and like helps you come to great conclusions. It's also that your relationship with the therapist becomes its own thing to like understand and to like unpack like how this person is functioning for you in your life. And it really depends on like your therapist's approach, like, and how they practice therapy, because some are much more like psychoanalytically based. And so I don't, I don't know if your therapist is, but if this is like what, you know, psychodynamic talk therapy, I think you can expect something really, really useful and fruitful, just talking about this very thing. Like, don't feel like, you know, I just need to get over how I feel about my new therapist and how much I miss my old therapist. And then once I do, I can do really productive work here. This right here is part of your productive work with this therapist. Mm -hmm. So it might be a courageous conversation, which is um, a term I learned from my girlfriend, which is like when you have to have 
a difficult conversation with someone, but you know it's going to be better when after you do it. If mm-hmm. you have to have a courageous conversation about how you feel, I think you should try to go for it. Yeah. And I do want to clarify transference because I think for it had a lot of issues and I'm like, this is person is your father figure. But um, I, I just Googled this because I, I think I want to kind of clear up what it means. Uh, so they say in Psychology Today, the classic use of the term transference comes from psychoanalysis and includes, quote, the redirection of feelings and desires and especially of those unconsciously retained from the childhood towards a new object. We do this all the time. A boss, this I'm still reading, by the way, this is not me saying this part. A boss at work reminds you of your grandmother or this and that, whatever. The guy in the train reminds you of this. So this is not necessarily what you're going through, but it's not uncommon. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I feel free for anyone to also debunk this, but uh, I don't know if I can explain it well enough, but that is something no, it's, that... Yeah, it's a real thing. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's for sure a real thing. Yeah. So, I yeah, definitely talk to your shrink. And if it comes down to it, you don't have to go to them anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, they... I agree. I mean, they don't, but they also said they feel like it's a good fit. Oh, okay. You yeah. know, so mm-hmm. I think like, yeah, like just... Don't think of this as a thing you need to solve before you can like have a good experience with this therapist. Yeah, I will say one more thing um, because I always use this as like uh, telling people, think of a therapist like a yoga instructor. They just kind of help your body do the positions and the things you need to do. There's been times where, you know, if I'm seeing someone new or like, you know, it wasn't really working out, I try to think of that as like, what if I had a different instructor? What did I learn from the last one? What would help me with this new person? And I have had that conversation of like, hey, you know, the last shrink, it really helped me when they did this. And I kind of like to explore that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's good for them to know. Yeah, totally. So. Agree. Yes. Honesty. So, so Elle, good luck. Yeah. Have a courageous conversation. That was Bjorn. Oh, right. Elle was the first one. Everyone should Sorry. Have I'm so sorry. Elle and I got... Bjorn should both have courageous oh, conversations. Yeah, actually, they should. Uh, but sorry about that, Bjorn. I got I got so excited about <laughs> Elle Woods because that's one of my favorite movies that I just, I got hung up. Do you see the musical? We talked about this. Oh, my God. You love it. I can't. Sorry. I'm shaking my head on the podcast. Like, people can hear me uh, shake no, my head. They can hear you shake your head. I've bumped into this a hundred times. <laughs> I'm so sorry. If you hear a gong, it's because there's a large metal, like, sheet next to me. It's and I pipe. keep hitting it. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's no, a pipe. No, I'm this thing. Oh, Oh, with the Jim Beam thing yeah. I got at a garage sale back when I thought it'd be cool to decorate like that. Whatever. Well, I think it's cool to, that I keep making gong noises with that. Uh, I didn't like, hear it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Were you gonging my answer? Like, nope. <laughs> that, I'm going to start doing that every time we give great advice. Oh, my God. Yes. We should have a little bell. Pavlovian. Good job. Um, so listen. <laughs> yes. Email us. Email us your questions. Email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can go on to Twitter and tweet at strugglebuspod. Use the hashtag strugglepodbuds420 to find a struggle buddy. Instagram.com slash the strugglebuspod. Uh, tweet at Sally T. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a much better. I like that better than tweet. Oh, my gosh. Um, paging S- Dr. Freud. Sweet at us. <laughs> you, about to, you can tweet at me at SPK Heller. And for the Struggle Buddies Facebook group, just email us and give us your regular email. Make sure you say in the subject line you want to join the group because if you just have a question, separate subject line because that person we hired to do our <laughs> everything, joking, we just can't, we can't multitask. Um, what is the song of the week, Sally? What is happening? I don't think I've ever been more excited <laughs> about a song. I'm a little 
Okay. Confused. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the song of the week is, it's called the Superman March. And you'll recognize it if you've ever seen any of the Superman movies. It is from the movie. Yeah. Um, John Williams, the composer, who's composed like every good song of every movie ever. He He's the one who did the um, the Harry Potter, Hedwig's theme for Harry Potter. Oh. Um, he, he did, so the Superman March is like, okay, let me backtrack and say, when I'm at work and I need to be listening to something, it has to be instrumental because I'm usually trying to write words and it's hard to write words when you're listening to words. Mm-hmm. So I used to listen to Songza, which has these great curated playlists, but it got bought. I don't know why I'm telling this whole backstory. Google Music, Google Play Music, whatever it's called. It bought this service, Songza, and it has the most amazing soundtracks. One of the ones I listen to all the time is Epic Film Scores. Stop it. It makes you feel like you can take over the world. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so the Superman March, is, you'll totally recognize it. It's extremely, it's really familiar. It's It was written for the, mo- the 1978 movie, but I think it's probably been used in like every movie, sen- every Superman movie since. Um, and I chose the alternate version because it, the, 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 the Superman March that you hear in the movie, it, it takes a second to pick up and get really like epic and thunderous. I'm so excited. And I wanted this to be epic and thunderous immediately. So that's the song. We're only going to play a little bit of it here, but I, I urge you, I urge you to Google it and listen to, there are a lot of different versions of it. And you can also find YouTube videos of John Williams conducting various symphony orchestras playing it. Mm. And I just close your eyes and turn your volume up as loud as you possibly can. Uh-huh. You will feel fucking invincible. Can I tell you, I only cried twice at Molly and Ethel's wedding. Mm-hmm. The first time was when John Ethel gave the speech and, you know, waterworks. The second was when they, after the marriage, they, I guess, do the walk back mm-hmm. to do the photos. They did it to the Star Wars theme song. That's awesome. Like, dun, 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 dun. It was so awesome. That makes me want to somehow play the Superman march in my wedding. <gasps> so, oh my god, that needs to happen. If like my today. girlfriend is listening, I hope that uh, I hope that you consent does to that. Does she listen to the struggle bus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. she sure does. He, my boyfriend's too busy to listen right now. I mean, he's literally in the next room, so he says he listens. <laughs> he listens in real time. <laughs> yeah, he listens in real time. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I can't wait to hear the song. It's so fun. It's so good, and everyone should listen. Awesome. I was listening to it this morning just to like get zazzed Uh, and oh my god it's so good for me it's hamilton the song yorktown okay i can't even talk about it oh boy (sighs) all right everyone thank you so much for listening i'm kate i'm sally bye bye